Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist, and your host. And on today's episode, we are discussing college and student loan debt. This is a really important topic. We have so many problems around money in this country. If college and student loan debt doesn't apply to you or bores you, I I hope that you can listen because I'm sure you're going to come into contact with someone who is either facing this struggle or in the struggle or not knowing what to do. Someone you know may want to listen. I want to talk about money, even though it still scares me almost more than any topic on the show. We have so many problems around money in this country. And if this topic doesn't seem to apply to you, I'm sure you'll know someone now or in the near future who may wish to listen. So I want to share my experience of college and student loans, but I want to do it as a person who has zero authority on money and finances. I am not financially advising anyone here, and I am not qualified for that in the least. But I think that's exactly where most of us are, is that we don't even know what we don't know when it comes to money. One of the problems about debt and spending in college in this country is that people talk about finances in the shadows and in whispers. You know, it's not proper to discuss finances. So many of us have been taught that. How are we supposed to learn? It's my belief that no one gets through an American life without accidentally flushing a whole lot of money down the toilet. It's part of learning and growing and making mistakes. And mistakes for the sake of learning, I'm fine with. Mistakes because we aren't showing younger people and younger generations and each other our money cards so that we can all be making more well-informed decisions, wiser decisions, and feel empowered to discuss these issues of money in relationship with our partners, with ourself, and even within our friendships. I'm going to try to get keep this short and sweet and not get lost in the details. Some of my memories are spotty and my numbers are very general because my younger self lost most original paperwork during Katrina. 
And I'm not the best with paper. And I come from a time when I started student loans where we were starting to do things online, but it was a lot of paperwork that we still had to organize and understand. And it boggled my mind. It needs to be noted that in all the people who have allowed me into this delicate college debt discussion, that I have taken the least amount of student loan debt than anyone I have ever had this discussion with. That goes for colleagues in my life that have gone through a similar level of education, similar programs to me. And those are clients through the years who have gone through every form of education. I originally took out $16,000 in student loans over the entire course of an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree. That's an unheard of amount, y'all. I started college in 1998. I had a scholarship for four full years of undergraduate work. A program started in Louisiana the year I was going to school. I was the first wave of recipients of this TOPS program. I would not be on this mic with this career if it wasn't for the Louisiana Taylor Plan, which became a law as the result of Mr. Patrick F. Taylor's educational initiatives. From what I understand, he was just a a rich guy in Louisiana that just wanted to support Louisiana students getting a college education. It was the first state-funded merit-based college tuition program in the country. I was a strong student. I was a good student. But I also had a lot of stress and a lot of chaos, and I had to work outside of school to earn money. So I wasn't an elite student. This program required a minimum of 18 on the ACT and to earn a 2.5 grade point average. And every Louisiana college student that fit those requirements could get their tuition paid. I sometimes worked 70 hours a week waitressing as an undergraduate. I was pulling a few A's, some B's, and some C's. I was falling asleep in my classes. I was burning the candle at both ends. After my jaw surgery, during my first marriage, I stopped working for the fifth year that it took me because I couldn't finish in four years. And so that fifth year, I took out $1,500 for tuition. That's what a semester cost at the University of New Orleans for undergraduate when I started. And I took a little bit, maybe 500 or a thousand, I don't remember, but just to cover books. So I did that each semester. I finished my undergraduate and then I began graduate school. Now, graduate school at UNO, I went to the same school, got accepted into the program, was also $1,500 for a full-time semester. I took a mix of subsidized and unsubsidized government loans. And those terms, I get irritated even when I see those terms, because as I define them, that subsidized means that the interest is paid by the education department while you're enrolled in at least half time in school. Unsubsidized means the interest begins to accrue to build up as soon as the loan is dispersed, including while you're still in school. So you're in school, you're not making any money yet, or you're 
barely making ends meet just to get through school, yet interest is starting to build on your life. And these terms irritate me because even though these are defined for a college student that is signing at the young age of 18, there is no way that an 18, 19, or 20-year-old understands the impact of the definitions of those terms, the impact of having interest accrue. I was in school for about a decade. That's a long time to have interest accruing. I didn't understand this at the time, didn't really know what it meant, didn't know the impact. I began undergraduate school in 1998, and I began graduate school in 2003. Rates for both of those degrees for me were $1,500 a semester. That's $3,000 for a typical two-semester college experience or college year. As I began graduate school, I took out student loans to cover that amount, not to cover living expenses, not to cover anything extra. So I was really trying to do this in a responsible, bare bones kind of way. I wanted to look up what the current rates are for college. For the kind of school that I went to, the current average state public college costs about $10,000 a year. That's more than triple. Out of state colleges, $25,000 a year. So those of you that are getting or want or are interested in that out-of-state experience, two and a half times the in-state experience. That's just the tuition, y'all. That's not gas and car insurance and food and insurance and health care and all the incidentals it takes to cover life. A private college tuition for the year, average 35000 Now, as happens in our early life when we are becoming adults and figuring things out, I wasn't mess-free. I went through a divorce, and part of our agreement when we were separated was that my tuition would be covered by him. It wasn't. I had to drop out mid-semester. And I remember going to the dean of the department saying, I'm so close to finishing. I don't understand. Can I do a, a, a payment plan for the, the last part of the semester? And he was so cold to me. Nope, nope, nope. I was already working about 70 hours a week. I was so burnt out and fried just trying to survive and trying to get through and trying to better my life. I remember him looking at me saying, well, get another job then. This was from a counseling program. So I dropped out. I thought, okay, I'll drop out. There were only a few really weeks, maybe a month left of the semester. I'll take the next semester off. I will hump it. I will save money. And then I will get right back into school and finish this up. And that was the semester that Hurricane Katrina hit in New Orleans. I was so close to having been done the 60 hours master program. In addition to the 60 school hours, I was also required to become a counselor to do 3,000 hours of unpaid internship. 1,500 hours of that were face-to-face counseling appointments with no pay. Now, working full-time as a professional now, in a very slow year, I've been doing this 10 years working for myself, in a very slow year, I would have 500 sessions 
in a year. Now I have anywhere from 800 to 1,000 in a year. So this is years of requirement of work without compensation. This is why so many of my colleagues have six-figure student loan debt in a field that average pay is barely above the poverty level. I was depressed from having walked away from my marriage with the literal clothes on my back. I didn't even leave that marriage with a vehicle. I left without a dollar. Then I had to get out of school. Then Katrina hit. Sometimes I look back on that time in my life and I can only believe that angels and spirit was helping me through. When I came back to New Orleans shortly after Katrina, I was still enrolled at UNO to do internship. I picked up an internship, again, not paid. My college program was blown out of the water. The professors were gone. The students were gone. They weren't teaching classes. I was desperate to finish this master's degree. Without a professor who supported me and pulled for me and had through my whole program, without excellent teachers rooting for me that I have been able to have my whole life since kindergarten, I don't know that I would have made it through. But a professor helped me figure out I could do the last two classes at Capella University online. Awesome, I thought. I thought, okay, two classes, I can afford that. I was heartbroken to learn that Capella cost for one class what an entire semester cost. So it was like I had to pay for two more semesters just to finish. I had no option and took out a couple more thousand student loans. Eventually, I graduated in 2007, and my internship site picked me up and hired me. In that time, I had allowed my student loans in the next like six months to just lapse. I hadn't filled out the right paperwork. I Everything, it was just I couldn't handle it. And I know many of you listening have had times in your life where you just could not deal with the amount of things that are happening. And we just compartmentalize to survive, don't we? And I did that with these student loans. It was a nightmare to try to get official documents and identification when everything had been lost and people weren't working. It was chaos. So on the advice of someone that I listened to, because I didn't know where else to turn, I made a very large financial mistake and filed for bankruptcy at about 25 or 26 years old for $7,000 on credit cards and to be able to refinance my student loans. This is what the bankruptcy lawyer brought to me. And what that lawyer brought to me was that there was a debt relief federal student loan program. I didn't understand the details of it. They had me at the words debt relief and I signed. What started out as $16,000 in student loan debt with fees and penalties quickly became 24 by the time that bankruptcy went through. Now you can't get out of student loan debt in a bankruptcy, y'all. But I thought, oh, it's consolidated. It's all in one place. I'll just make the payments, $24,000. That's what a new car costs for a lot of people and people pay that off. So this is not crazy. I am in good shape. For years, I did not understand that loan. 
Come to find out the government's debt relief program was a program of daily compounded interest. Now, if you don't quite know what that means, like I didn't know what that meant back then, and I painfully know what this means now, I have been told that if you borrow money from the mob, they compound interest on a weekly basis. The student loan debt relief program, for me, compiled it daily. All I did for years was pay interest. And each day the interest gets put back into the loan. So you pay interest on top of the interest. I wouldn't know the first way to figure out how much I've actually paid back. In addition to me being wholly ignorant about how all of this works. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Loans get sold over and over and over again. If you're young enough that you've never had a loan, they sell them. And you just have new login information and a new person to pay. And you kind of lose the the old information as you go, especially if you're not great with paperwork, like has been historically true for me. Compounded daily interest is a predatory loan practice. A few years ago, that misguided bankruptcy for $7,000, which I was just scared at the time. I didn't know what to do with creditors calling me. I couldn't handle it on top of prosecuting my dad and Hurricane Katrina and everything else, a divorce. So after that bankruptcy fell off, it takes 10 years. I had worked very hard in that time to never miss a payment, to build my credit back up, to be responsible because I am a very responsible person with money. The fact that this could happen to me says a lot because I do try to pay attention. I'm not willy-nilly. And I don't just burn money on impulse buys. Once that bankruptcy fell off and my credit clicked over into the excellent category, I was so proud and so relieved. I marched up to the bank and I said, hey, I want a $10,000 loan to pay off the rest of my student loan debt. I've been paying it off for years and years and years and years and it just won't go down. It's awful interest. I need to get off of it. The loan officer was new. She said, okay, great. She said, well, you know, ask me a couple questions. And she sat down at the computer. I said, I have excellent credit. I should be able to get a loan for $10,000, right? She's like, yep. As she started answering the questions through her system, the very first question was, is this about student loan debt? Once she said, yes, all of my options went out the window. 
the government holds a monopoly on being able to hold that debt. So despite my excellent credit, I was told that I could not get money from the bank to pay off that predatory loan. I was so angry. I looked at the woman and I said, but I can come in here and tell you that I want to go to Europe and I want $10,000 and you'll give it to me in a second. And she said, yes, you can get a loan for that. I looked at her and I said, okay, kind of wink, wink. This isn't about student loan debt. I want to go to Europe. Give me $10,000. And she looked at me and said, I can't ethically do that. And I said, ethically? I said, this is the problem with the system, that nothing about this is ethical. And nice people like you work for these unethical organizations. And the moment that someone wants to get ethical is right now. It's very hard to be ethical and work for an evil system. So if you want to do something ethical, you might want to look into something different than this banking, because what you're doing with me right now is not ethical. I have since paid off my student loans. I wish there was a way to calculate the amount of stress that it cost me, the amount of tears that I have cried trying to figure it out, the times I tried to get different loans and got rejected but didn't have it explained to me that that was the government's doing, that they held the monopoly on this debt, that I had signed up for it in a very vulnerable place. I was not informed of how the debt would go. I am fully responsible for not understanding and reading the fine print, as we are all responsible for what we do and what we don't do, and what we know and what we don't know. I started college in 1998, and it took me to 2018 to pay them off. That started out as $16,000. We need to talk more about the realities of college and student loan debt. There is a toll on our individual and collective health. Children are feeling the stresses of their parents. We are setting up Americans to be unable to get ahead of this debt. I'm sharing this vulnerable part of my story because I'm listening to parents that are taking on debt or telling their kids it's okay to take on debt without fully understanding how this works. I believe my age people, people who started college 19... 97, 1998, 1999, the early 2000s. Before that, student loan debt was not predatory. We were the first wave of getting slammed by trying to better ourselves. We have to help young people figure this out so that they do not drown. I hope by me sharing my messy and vulnerable story that this gets to the right ears. It's a hard question for me to answer. Do I think it was worth it? I'm where I want to be. I can't argue with that. I did get a stellar education, but I received an incomplete education. I am in a field where to make a decent living, people must work for themselves. That program had nothing about running a business. Nothing. 
And many counseling programs continue to offer nothing when it comes to running your own business. High schools continue to offer no education about debt, about finances, about college being less about what you want to learn and more about a path to income. I am not saying to not go to college. I am saying to please learn from my missteps and my mistakes and from the tragedy of what can happen when we're overwhelmed and when we're desperate for help, that we will listen to things and to people and to information that doesn't have our best interest in mind. Figuring out the government's relationship with student loans this way has really changed my relationship with how I see our government. And this is not a political show, but my emotional development, the things that have hurt me, the things that have made life harder than it just needed to be, it's forced me to see things in ways that I never would have otherwise. Because of this, I feel like I've had the veils lifted, that I really don't believe that the government is there to take care of me. The government is an organization. The government takes a lot of our money. And the more I have faced that as my own reality, the more I've been able to take care of myself in the ways that I've needed with eyes wide open. I wish I had a different truth about that. I wish a government debt relief program was what it says it is, and it's not. Sociopathy and narcissism run through our biggest, most powerful corporations and our biggest, most powerful government. We must be wiser than these systems, and we must use the knowledge that each of us gathers because life is too short for every individual to have to go through this to be able to squeeze out the wisdom. I cringe to think how student debt may influence depression, suicidal thoughts, and suicidal acts. I wonder how we will ever study enough to really understand the results of this. If you have a way to share your voice or your story, I hope that by listening to me share, you will feel empowered to share your financial truth with more people. It's been one of the greatest gifts in my life to have chosen family and friends where we can talk very clearly about the financial decisions that we are making. Even though we're very different people and we have different priorities and some of these people have children and some don't, some are older, some are younger, but we're talking about it to learn from and with each other. That is a very good, powerful thing to come out of some awful financial experiences. Maybe there's something in your life financially that you've put up blinders to that you don't want to look at because it's scary. Maybe by hearing me, I can offer you some courage so you can face in your life what you've been avoiding or so you can know the value in doing research and fully understanding your financial options now and always, not just when it comes to college or student loan debt. 
Financial health is a huge part of being an emotional badass. It's the world that we live in. A long time ago, my clients, they might have paid me with goats and eggs and milk. We need to understand this money, this currency that is such a big player in our lives. Thank you for holding space for me to share this story. I hope there's something in it that helps you wherever you are. If you would like to come ask me some direct questions about this, I will answer anything that you ask as specifically as I can. Nothing's off limits here. Come find us at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. We are working very, very hard. We give an extra episode that you don't get here on the feed on that Patreon every single month. And we are working towards our next goal to try to get a little more help with the show, a little bit more help of handling all that it takes behind the scenes, social media, graphics, editing. We would like to move into releasing video on top of this audio. So if you would like to participate and really consider yourself a producer and backbone of the show, come to Patreon. You can share as little as a dollar with us a month to different tiers, up to five and 10 and 20. You get different content from us at different levels. And we appreciate every single dollar. It adds up. It's not inconsequential. I hope with each episode, I honor those of you who are supporting us. Y'all have truly been the backbone of the show. Thank you for helping us reach more people every single week. I want all of us to be financially wiser because we can be. We owe that to ourselves to grow that part of ourselves too. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets mindful. Take care of yourself and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to Calm History dot com.